Hey, it's Beth here, episode 484. Okay. This week was great. The New York Times was great. Newsound is going to be interesting because two worlds collide and then blend. Like, this is the craziest story. People thought Kit and I were opposites. We are nothing compared to these people. Okay, this girl, Julia Allison, huge star on the internet influencer, the first influencer. She was, she turned 39. And all of a sudden she was wondering, am I living my dream? I've gone to Burning Man 10 times. My friends are startup, startup executives, psychedelic psychotherapists, and touching healers. She spent 10 years dating polyamorous DJs. She just had a, she was at Joshua Tree in California crying her eyes out over another breakup when she called this guy that she didn't even know but was a friend of her friends. His name is Mr. Feldman. That's what I call him. Mr. Feldman is an MIT professor and a Harvard lecturer. He speaks five languages and he's written five books, nine books, and is a columnist on the um, Bloomberg Opinion. Okay, this guy is as straight as an arrow. Anyway, she calls him up and she asks him this question. What is the meaning of life? They spoke for 90 minutes. She said, neither one of us can remember what Noah, that's what she calls him, said, but I know it was profound. Oh my gosh, he's 53, right? Okay. He said people he dated seriously, subsequently, nobody uses that word, were people of substance. Subsequently, people of substance. Nobody ever said that before Mr. Feldman. She goes, she whispers into the, you know, microphone, serious people. She's so in awe of this guy. So he was feeling the same thing. He'd been divorced for 11 years, hardly saw his wife and kids, must be a great guy. He was wondering if anyone would meet another human being again because of COVID. So they started this bi-coastal romance. Finally, they get together and it's going very well. But she says, I need you to spread your wings. So she says, you have to come to Burning Man with me. And he did. He did. He lectured there, which I think is amazing. I'm sure no one came to the lecture. And no, no one did come to the lecture. Oh, that's great. Of course, no one came to the lecture. He tried to control Burning Man. That's what he tried to do. Then many of Julia's friends have jobs that he didn't even know existed. One is a fire dancer. She also has a friend named Purple who only wears the color purple. That's great. I mean, you know, if I if I had a friend named Purple and she wore nothing but pink or blue, I would really wonder about her. But if she just wears purple, she's fine with me. Mrs. Allison took him on pilg pil pil pilgrimages, acid tests, not real acid, although she does have her psychedelic psychotherapist in case they ever do cross that bridge to make sure he, he could loosen up. First, they went to Bali. And of course they found a topless beach and he did loosen up. Okay, she lived there for two years doing yoga and meditation sabbaticals. Okay, Mr. Feldman 
was familiar with the island of Bali, in part because the work of anthropologist Clifford Gertz, he wrote a book about Balinese cockfighting. Okay, that is, they've got so much ground to cover these two. It just doesn't even seem possible, but she is so beautiful and he's so enraptured with her beauty and she's so much younger, okay? And she doesn't have any kids. And that's what every guy is looking for. When you have kids, you wanna find somebody who doesn't have kids. So you don't have to mess up all the holidays. She's a catch. So then what happened was, okay, but she's doing pretty well and he's doing pretty well. And then of course, Burning Man happens and he had trepidation about going to Burning Man. A lot of them, I would too. Not even because of the mud, just because I have no idea what's so exciting about it. So they do that, everything goes well, and then he starts winning. He starts getting his way. Because at Burning Man, he did this one thing when he stopped lecturing. Okay, they went to a session that featured a woman in a large headdress leading the audience in a mind-body therapy that involved rapidly tapping certain parts of your body. As Miss Allison entered the tent, she saw Mr. Feldman in front of the crowd, tapping himself and repeating the mantra, I love and accept myself unconditionally. She said it was the best moment of her life. I don't know where he was tapping on his body. I don't know what body part he was tapping when he said that he loved himself unconditionally, but it made all the difference in the world to her. So, she starts bending. He gets everything he wants. She moves to Cambridge. I mean, they were fighting over who's gonna go where. He gets Cambridge just because he tapped himself somewhere on his body. Okay, then the most amazing thing is she starts going to school. She starts going back to school. The Harvard Kennedy School, she gets into the master's program. I don't know if she had some help from Mr. Feldman, but I wouldn't doubt it. She rearranged the house. She moved into his house. It was beige. She changes everything about it, okay? So he's got this beige house in, in Cambridge, you know, right near Harvard. Miss Allison changes everything, including whimsical pink wallpaper with a pattern of monkeys and leopards, thick velvet drapes, Balinese statuary, antique chandeliers throughout the house and a formidable deep blue velvet couch in the living room intended, intended to encourage people. A kind sensuous lazing is what she wants them to do in Cambridge. Now Miss Allison calls the house the Bohemian Embassy. Our home is more than a dwelling. It's a confluence of diverse minds. Oh, give me a break. Come on, just admit it, he got you. He got you and he got you good. Okay, so now all the sharp edges of the house are gone. That's what Senator Cory Booker says. The two have been close since there were Rhodes Scholars together. I didn't know that. Good luck, Mr. Feldman. I mean, you know, you've got everything going your way. You've got to keep this woman happy. I wish they would just have a baby. Okay, so she has a Sabbath because she's also going to become Jewish for him just because he touched some little part of his body. All of this is happening. Oh my God, now he's wearing a rakishly unbuttoned
pink Oxford shirt. That's all he's got to do to get her to do everything that he wants. They went on a vacation this summer to, to four countries, okay, because they're planning the wedding. It's going to be somewhere else. But the thing is, if you want to if you want to know everything about everybody, everything about being human, just have a baby. You don't need psychotherapists telling you how to touch yourself. If you hold a baby that's crying and the baby comes down, you feel in your heart this amazing miracle that touching is, that human contact is. I wish she would stop planning her wedding. She's already 42. Get over it. Who cares? I think brides don't exactly look fresh in a wedding dress when they're 44 years old. That's what she's going to be when this marriage comes. Just give it up and have a baby. All right? You've given this guy everything else. Just go for the gold. Start a family. Stop proving that you're incredibly cool as a person. Stop doing Balinese monkey wallpaper. And uh, calm down. That's my, that's my, that's my thing. Stop, stop making yourselves the example of being an incredible couple. It's too much pressure. It's too much pressure. When are you going to have the baby? That's what his mother's saying. She's nine, 92 years old. She's playing this game with you. Just have the baby. Then she can die in peace. Okay. Now, this other one. This man got this incredible email from a woman that he didn't know. And she said, I went to a... It's... It's an estate sale. She went to an estate sale and she bought this little journal and she wrote to this guy, I looked you up, I found you, and I would like to return your mother's journal to you. I mean, I really wonder about these estate sales. It was at this man's uncle's house. The woman died. The two children are probably in their 50s or 60s. They're too exhausted. They sell the house with everything in it. The people buy the house and have an estate sale right away. I haven't heard of it being done that way, but I have heard of couples just putting everything up for sale in an estate sale. When this guy got this little journal back, he found out things about his mother that he never knew, like his grandmother was renowned for making homemade gefilte fish. That is such a horrible thing to be renowned for. I've never had gefilte fish that was delicious. The premise of putting those ingredients together and trying to make something that will turn out delicious is impossible. Absolutely impossible. But that's what that was. Anyway, she was a wonderful person, and he, now he knows that his grandfather walked hand in hand to the shul with her, and the relic of the grandfather's um, yarmulke is in the, was in this little, little tiny pouch that she had. So that's amazing, but it is, Oh, so this is what she wrote on the first page of the journal. This is why I like her. I pity the river. I pity the brook. I pity the one that steals this book. And that woman did steal the book. She got it for $3. But at least she gave it back to the son. And seeing that written in the front made her do it. It's a really good story. Okay, so there's this one. Dating other people. Okay, most of the time I read about the vows in the New York Times, they all start out very innocently by saying they were both dating other people. That takes me right out of the story, okay? 
That means that two people got their heart broken so you two could get together and we started out as friends. Give me a break. You got the eyeballs rolling. He's got the eyeballs rolling. You both know what you're doing. Stop saying it like that. Why don't you just start by saying, you know, amidst our happiness, we have to admit that we broke two hearts and we are sorry about that. Just tell the truth. Anyway, this guy, he wasn't getting anywhere with this girl. She's really beautiful until he invited her to have Thanksgiving dinner with his mother, who's an agent on Martha's Vineyard, great place to work. And he says, I, have, I know my son, and when his eyes are sparkling like that, it's rare and it's magical. And he told her, she told that woman, that's what, that's what mothers of the boy can do. You can tell that girl that he's never looked at anybody else like that before. It will seal the deal. Totally sealed their deal. This one is sick. Okay, it's called Relationships Evolve. Some seasoning required. This is the sickest story I've ever read. It's about this woman. She married this older guy, okay? Like, um, I guess he's 25 or 35 years older. Okay, but she marries him. She knows what she's getting into. She has a couple of kids with him. And then all of a sudden, he's 80 and she's 45. 34, 34 years older, okay? But she marries the guy. She knows where this is headed. But all of a sudden at 45, she's not so happy. So she goes and takes this course on journaling. There's, an old, there's a guy in her class, okay? He's the same age. They become lovers, okay? A thrilling midlife, erotic reawakening unfolded. You're cheating on your husband. We would meet up late at night in my office. You're cheating on your husband. She's not saying that, though. She's saying that, you know, her husband was just going to have to understand. And she comes from Africa, and she says that it's the older lion having to leave when the younger lion shows up. That's part of nature. And I'm saying, no, it's not. You married that guy. Better or for worse, to sickness and health till death do you part. Colin, the guy, is sitting there, and then she says, I want the guy to move into the, to the house with us introduce him to the kids and my friends. Colin is falling apart. He's 80. Why can't you just wait? Why can't you just leave this man alone? But no, we can't. So they do all this. And then the young man, he doesn't feel very good anymore. It's Richard. He's feeling a little left out uh, because she's married to her husband and they have these children. So he demands that she get a divorce from her husband so he can feel like part of this family. Well, in England, it's pretty complicated because they expect someone to leave the home and they expect a good reason for doing it. Well, she didn't want to say that it was um, adultery because then the guy has to leave the home for sure. So what Colin, the 80-year-old said, he said, why don't we just, why don't we just say that it's cruel and unusual punishment because I aged. I'm telling you, Colin is telling her things, not too subtle, a little bit edgy about this whole thing, but she's acting like this is the most amazing story. And the New York Times is trying to sell me on this, like this is normal behavior and this is okay. So at the end of the year, they have a Christmas party hosted by Colin, Richard, and me. And we gathered around the turkey and and scattered on, I, okay, so 
on the last few grains of salt, which means you don't know anybody till you have a pound of salt with somebody. She's saying, and everybody was there. I'm saying, okay, in this article, there's no mention of her children or how they feel about this. Not one mentioning of it. I feel like I'm being gaslit on this one. I want next week for Colin, the 80-year-old husband, to tell this very same story from his words. And then the week after that, I want the two children to tell me the story, how they felt when Richard moved in, how they felt when mom divorced dad and married Richard. I mean, I, but this, the way they wrote this, you would think that she did everything with from pure love. She says she does. It's not pure love. You're, you're getting everything you want and it's at a cost to your husband who's 80. Give me a break. So they're both 45. He's living with a 45-year-old who's living with his 45-year-old wife. I don't think he would have bought this years ago. Yuck. So anyway, that was gross. Okay, here's another one that I think is gross. I think I'm being gaslit by the New York Times. Because this one, this woman is wants to buy her daughter a an expensive purse. I'm guessing that this woman thinks her daughter is dressing like a bag lady. Just looking terrible every single day. And she wants her to have an expensive purse just so people will know that somebody loves her. Okay? So they settle on a purse that's $2,000, although the girl is a little uncomfortable about it. The purse arrives and it's $7,000 because the mother is so excited that maybe her daughter's going to have something nice or try for one second. She's single. Okay? The mother's doing something a little crazy. I get it. But this is what our social IQ expert says. He says, nail your mom to the cross. She, she overdid it. The difference between a $2,000 purse and a $7,000 purse is a lot. And she took advantage of you. I'm like, are you crazy? He says, and I quote, now some etiquette mavens that's insulting to women. Some etiquette mavens may tell you to thank your mother and move along. We shouldn't tell people what to give or not to give to us. And he says, I disagree here. Tell her you want something else a long weekend away. Hey, that costs $7,000 too. If she still reverts to pricey gifts, recognize her blind spot and take care of yourself sell the stuff or give it away. This guy, Philip Gallons, I think etiquette mavens should tell you what to do with your mother. I don't think Philip understands that she put it out there. She did everything she could to get her daughter something nice. So maybe she'd start dressing better and caring about herself. It isn't the best thing to do, but that's why she did it, okay? Just, just let it go. Or now I want this mother to come back next week and tell us why she did it. And tell, tell us how hurt she is. Who wants it? I would prefer if someone's going to re-gift my gifts, tell me you're doing it, especially if they're $7,000. Don't sell them on eBay. It's not fair to me. Just stop. But those two articles are like, 
here's what good people do. Good people cheat on their husband who's 35 years older, and good people would accept happily a purse that's $2,000, but when it's $7,000, oh, mom, I'm furious. Like, I don't even get the difference. Okay, here's one that is good for us. As young people stream away, networks bet on boomer taste. There's a show called The Golden Bachelor. I'm not going to watch it, but I'm going to check this 72-year-old guy out. And he's going for women between 60 and 75. And I want to know which one of these 22, year old, 22 women, 60 to 75, which one he chooses as a 72-year-old man. And then they're bringing back the wonderful world of Disney, which is great. I loved it in the 50s. And they're doing Dancing with Stars with older people. And they're going to keep Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy around. Good. They are saying boomers are keeping us afloat. Thank you for noticing what we have noticed for 10 years. Thanks for admitting it. It means a lot. Okay, now this one. This one, I was, I'm going to get on my pedestal. I'm preaching. I'm preaching, but I'm preaching to the choir. But I don't care. I want to preach anyway. Okay. The long-term benefits of hands-on fathering. This Susan Parker, Pinker, Susan Pinker. Oh, this is funny. Her name's Susan Pinker, and she hated the Barbie movie. That's adorable. Okay. She goes, to start off, this is when I was riveted. The blockbuster movie Barbie depicts men as utterly useless. The film's younger guys dress in fake fur and act like Neanderthals, while the middle-aged men who have jobs are portrayed as incompetent nincompoops. Thank you, Susan Pinker. Some are eye candy for, for the Barbies, but they're all socially awkward and they can't even play the guitar. That's true. Ken should be able to play the guitar. In the real world, however, there is at least one thing men are good at, playing with their babies. Over the last 20 years, research has consistently shown that fathers have a unique way of engaging with small children. Horsing around is more common with fathers than it is with mothers, especially as infants grow into toddlers and preschoolers. Vigorous bouncing, lifting, tossing, and chasing take over from more gentle play, and this roughhousing leads to better self-controlled and school readiness as children turn five. That is amazing. I, I can't remember an aunt or a grandmother in my family who didn't tell the men to stop it because they thought that the children would be crazy in school. And then to find out the opposite is true. Better gross motor skills for the child. Rough and tumble play is great. They will have a higher income level and a graduation level. This is amazing. So they did this study. Father's hands-on involvement underpins a child's later ability to self-regulate and problem solve. It does everything. The researchers narrowed the group to firstborn healthy singleton Okay, they got they got rid of babies who whose mothers had postpartum depression, whose babies wouldn't soothe in a month. They got these they got twenty-eight thousand healthy babies. And they did this study and they watched them for a very long time. There was no difference in in the language skills of the kids because fathers, you know, they don't talk very much. But I heard that fathers talk when fathers talk to their child as if it's an adult like a 
two-year-old is watching a football game with his dad and he goes, look at that pass, that really is terrible, that guy doesn't know what he's doing. The child learns to speak the real language of humans. So, but in this, in this thing it says that that's not true, but I still like it. It could be true in my, in my makeup world. There was, okay, but the risk of development delay in children with highly involved fathers was 24% lower. That is so big. Fathers are awesome. Every kid. And then I did read this other study about children who are fatherless, that especially among boys, there is this heartbreaking longing to roughhouse, just like baby bears. There's, there's a longing to do that, to just be thrown around and to laugh like that. And it leaves them with this empty hole, which is sad. So I wish we would have a TV show or a movie or something with a great father. On Cocomelon, this baby show that my little friend Ina watches, who's two, the father's there and he's a steady, a steady-as-you-go guy, but he doesn't say anything or do anything. Like maybe we need a father knows best. Oh, that, that, that guy didn't roughhouse. Maybe we need a show that will show young boys how to be a father when, when they grow up because there aren't that many examples in some some societies so but it's true and I didn't know it was that true I didn't know that it could give them you know control and 24% less chance of being delayed in all things come on that's a big deal so that's I'm gonna start I'm just I'm just gonna stay on my soapbox I love it. I love dads. I had a great dad. I mean, he played with me. And it was so sad because it was with my little brothers and he would throw us on his king size bed, king size bed, and he would play this thing called t tickle torture. And he would tickle us and tell us a sad sturdy story about a baby bird falling out of a tree. And he'd be so so upset that we were laughing, which made us howl. And then he'd come in and he'd be Frankenstein and he'd throw us all around. And I loved it. And I was a girl. So it doesn't make any difference. And then, oh my gosh, I think I was 11 or 12 and my mother came in while we were playing. And she told me in no uncertain terms that I couldn't play Rough House anymore. And it broke my heart. It made me long for someone to touch me. Like all of my needs were fulfilled by roughhousing. I wish he hadn't done that. Because he didn't, he and I didn't see a problem. I was kind of skinny. He could throw me around. And I loved it. I didn't feel weird about it at all. I just loved it. I don't know when I would have chosen to stop. It would have happened. But I wish it had been my choice. I wish it had been when I was ready. Because I would hear them. It's going to make me cry. I would hear them laughing and playing in the other room. And I just, I wasn't allowed back. It was like I was banished from this hilarity. So don't, don't tell someone when to stop either. Just let them rough house as long as they want to because something inside of them needs it. So anyway, you know, can that marriage be saved? That first one, I think so. I think if she has a baby, just puts the wedding on 
who cares? Or the baby comes to the wedding too. In Italy, at Lake Como, whatever you want. Just don't wait till you're 44. You can have problems. So anyway, it was a good week, but lots of gaslighting going on with what I think we need to bring back all the mavens of etiquette. Everything they said was to prevent harm, to do no harm. That's a big deal. You don't need to hurt your mother's feelings. And she's really never going to understand what the difference between a $2,000 purse and a $7,000 purse is. You look stupid doing that. Why don't you look in the mirror and try to figure out what's wrong with you instead of figuring out what's wrong with her. Figure out what your big problem is and why she was giving you that first, that wonderful purse in the first place. What are you doing? Maybe unthinkably you're doing something wrong. Why didn't that guy say anything like that? That Philip guy. Oh gosh, etiquette mavens. I'm on their side. I'll be back. I'm trying to stay sane. Thanks. <laughs>